Storytelling synchronizes brains. One of many nuggets of wisdom that I received from Rob Ashton in this interview. You're going to want to check this out, and it helps really explain why that text message that you sent to your friend, they got all angry because they didn't really understand what you were getting at. Well, actually, it's because our brains are not wired to understand written communication nearly as well as the spoken word. Check this out. You don't want to miss this. Are you an entrepreneur who's looking for motivation, strategy, and tactical guidance on taking your business to the next level? Do you like surrounding yourself with action takers who know what it takes to win? If so, you're in the right place. My name is Josh Thomas, and I'm your host. Join me as I speak with some of the greatest business minds on the planet. Welcome to the Do Zone. It's not enough to be busy. So are the ants. The question is, what are we busy about? Henry David Thoreau. DZ Tribe, Josh Thomas, glad to have you. To make sure you don't miss another episode, I want you to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. Also, if you're looking to better understand how you get stuff done, head over to dozonedna.com and take our personality profile assessment built specifically for busy entrepreneurs like yourself. It's going to show you how to build the world around you for optimal performance. Once again, that's dozonedna.com. Today's guest is Mr. Rob Ashton. Rob is a writer and a former research scientist and editor. For the last six years, he's been on a quest to discover the science of how the words we read and write affect what we think and do. Rob, welcome to the Do Zone. Say what's up to the tribe and tell us something you believe is the key to getting stuff done that most people wouldn't think of. Well, hey, Josh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, what's up, tribe? Um, and I would say that the key to getting things done that most people don't think of is to pay much more attention to the words you are tapping on your keyboards and on your screens. Because if you do that, if you pay more attention to that and optimize it, then it's the it's the rising tide that lifts all boats. It will make everything easier. Pay more attention to the words you're typing on the screen and reading. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, we're writing more than now than at any other point in human history. It's we we kind of writing has become this thing that we do all day. The trouble is we don't think of it as writing. We don't realize we're doing it. So if you say writing to people, people think, what do you mean, handwriting? Do you mean writing a novel? And when people ask me that, I say, no, I mean that thing that you are doing all day. You know, the, the texting, the emailing, the, the posting on social media, the, um, the responding to customer inquiries, the, the live chat, the, the, it's writing all the way. We just don't realize. And the, the thing is that we didn't evolve to read and write. We evolved to speak and listen. And you might think, well, you know, we didn't evolve to drive cars either, but we do that. Um, but it's different. Reading and writing is something that requires rewiring the brain. So the reason it takes 10 years to learn to read and write is because you have to build a network in your brain that joins together parts of the brain we evolved for other things. And then 
optimize that network and it always remains effortful it always always remains suboptimal so when when we're speaking to each other we we are we're using we're communicating in the way we we evolved when we're writing and reading we are there's so much that's not at our disposal and it goes wrong all the time so if you can work that out and work out some of the keys to making it work then everything else changes you know you don't get you, you do things once instead of five times things don't you know you don't you, you send a message to somebody ask them to do something they do it they don't then bounce back another message and you end up in this kind of ping pong of text messaging for the next half an hour so it, it's it, if you are able to keep in mind that the human brain did not evolve to read and write and reading and writing are different from speaking and listening everything else in life will get a whole lot easier. Wow. I, gosh, I've never heard it put quite like that, but I can immediately, as you were saying this, uh, it brought something to mind. And uh, I have done my best. I'm not 100% on this, but I have done my best. Anytime that I am communicating with somebody about a topic that is important or sensitive, I want to have a conversation. It can be on the phone, preferably in person, but I don't want to write that. And one of the reasons that I don't want to write it is because looking, staring at an aerial font on a screen provides no clarity or context whatsoever. And it is so easy for you to fill in the blanks. Our brains are, are, are great blank filler inners uh, to fill in the blanks of what you don't actually see and perceive with whatever your imagination can, can conjure up. And so for me, I've always thought, well, I just communicate better by speaking. I would rather speak to you because that way there's no misunderstandings. But you're telling me that there is a, a neuroscientific reason for that. And that's fascinating to me. What, what got you into this? Well, first of all, I'd say your, your instincts are absolutely 100%. You know, that's what most people don't do. Uh, and that's what causes, you know, 90% of the problems trying to use reading and writing um, to do way too much heavy lifting. If something is emotive, if something is really complex, then you do need to have a conversation. And when you do that, you can find, you, you, you know, you often find, you know, your shoulders drop, you kind of relax, and then you've got this two-way exchange where you can work things out between you. And there's even research that shows that um, the, the, the neuropeptide oxytocin isn't released when we're reading and is released when we're, when we're listening. And this is, you know, this, this is a, a chemical that's really critical to, to building and strengthening relationships, you know, and interactions. And it's just not there, it seems, when we're reading and writing. Um, I got into it because I'd spent, and I, as you mentioned, you know, I, I was an editor. Before I did that, I was um, I was a molecular biologist. So, so I've kind of, you know, I've always been a scientist at heart, but I'm also an entrepreneur. So, I caught the entrepreneurial bug, and I moved out of editing and decided to share some of those trade secrets that are pretty much standard for any good copy editor in publishing, and share those with the wider world and enable them to to optimize their their writing. Um, and formed a company called Emphasis, which is that was back in 1998. Um, and uh, since when it's, it's it's worked with over 80,000 people in, in small groups of eight to 10 around the globe. Um, but 
the thing is that with the consulting world and the training world, there is often a huge gulf between what gets taught and what gets um, spread around and you know, what, what people advise. It's often a huge gap between that and what the science says. And I'd noticed this being in the training world. I'd been exposed to a lot of things from, from other training companies, other consulting firms. And I thought, well, actually, when I hear, you know, I'd hear some bad advice about writing, for instance, or about communicating. And I just think, no, I'm not sure that's true. And I'd look it up and it's like, yeah. no, there's no evidence for that. Or that, that's that sounds made up. Yeah. yeah that, that sounds, sounds made like up. somebody said at some point and somebody else it, believed and repeated. There's and a, that, that is, that's often what happens. You know, it, someone says it, it just gets, um, it just gets uh, pushed out around, around the web. Um, and even, you know, there are some stories that are, that are kind of just, standard in the personal development world and when when you when you dig you find out that actually they never happened yeah um you know so there, um, there's a there's a there's a uh, an image that circulated around the internet and it was some kind of contrarian point of view uh about how leaders lead uh and it was a uh, it was a picture of uh, some wolves walking in a straight line through the snow and there was one wolf way in the back and all the rest of the wolves were in the front. And so there was this narrative that was created. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You mean. So, yeah. yeah. So the so there was this narrative created that, you know, real leaders actually lead from the back. You know, the wolf stays behind to make sure that all of the young and and the and the elderly get through. And then they stay in the middle of the pack. And then the youngest ones are out in the front, trailblazing and all this stuff. Um, and then there was an immediate comment right down below that said, nope. Alpha wolves lead from the front. This is completely made up. <laughs> and uh, and being around a uh, a biochemist that had studied uh, Loretta Bruning, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's wrote she's written a bunch of books about hormonal responses and how the animal kingdom behaves and that stuff. Spending thirty years on this, uh, and she would be very quick to disagree with you and say, no, actually, that's not how animals behave. Animals behave based on very instinctual hormonal responses that are on survival. And if you are the strongest wolf in the pack, you're leading out in the front. And if you're weak or old, you get eaten by the people that are in the back. <laughs> that's, that's just how it works. And so when just because something sounds cool or quirky uh, doesn't make it true because science tends to differ. Yeah, yeah. And, th and that happens all the time. You know, people will will kind of leap on it and say, oh, well, yeah, that's amazing. And then share it without really questioning it. Um, and so much advice, especially around communication, it, it seems to be mixed, uh, based on a mix of, of hearsay and pseudoscience and wishful thinking. And I saw this again and again, and I just thought, do you know what? I, I know that, you know, the stuff that, that my company had been teaching was based on experience. It was based, it was a craft, really. You know, it was like, you do this, can, you know, is that more effective? People go, yeah, you know, do more people read that? Yes, you know. Um, so, but I wanted to verify that we were right in, in the advice we were giving. Um, but then I wanted to work out if we were, why we were right. Uh, thank goodness we, we were <laughs> largely right. Yeah. Um, but then you would see um, advice on, um, on communicating, you know, sort of would go viral. I mean, there was, there was one that, that um, I saw on the um, HBR blog and it was on writing like the military. And it would say, you know, use the, put the bottom line up front, which is a very military thing uh, in the US and in the UK. 
Um, so, you know, say what say what the point is and then say why. Um, use bullets because it's efficient. Um, use a system of headings that, that, that are, actually they were coded. It was, you know, this kind of like, they're almost like tags. So, you know, info stands, you know, the information, obviously action, something needs to happen, but even got a bit surreal. So there was co-ord for coordination, you know. Mm. Um, and I looked at this and I just thought, you know, reading one of those emails, if you're delivering bad news, is like being yeah. punched in the face. Yeah. You, you know, if you kind of say, right, you know, if the bottom line is I'm cancelling all leave next week, then it doesn't matter yeah. what you write after that. They're not, whoever's reading it, it's not going to be reading yeah. it. They're not going to make it to the cohort. <laughs> no, exactly. And our reading is 90% hallucination. It, it is, you know, there are 10 times as many connections coming from the visual cortex as there are coming from the eyes. You know, so so what we do is we predict what we're seeing and we predict what we're reading and then our brain checks to see if we're right. So if you come up with something that's really emotive right at the beginning, um, you're just going to lose people. And that, and that kind of set me off. I thought, I wonder what else isn't right. You know, and I wonder what science is there. And so could I you, gave myself six you, Rob, oh, Sorry. You, you said something really important there. And I, I want you to say it again, because I want to make sure that everybody understands this. Uh, it was about reading being kind of this uh, cerebral visual thing. We predict what we're seeing. Can you could you just say that again and maybe explain it? Yeah. So um, what, what I said was that there are 10 times as many connections coming from the visual cortex as there are coming from the eyes. OK, <laughs> so so it, it's uh, and going to the visual cortex. So so the signal is 10 times from the brain, one times. Mm -hmm. From the uh, one time from the from the eyes, okay. um, and the reason for that is the eye is not sophisticated enough to to bring in to to collect all of the information you you see in, in scare quotes when when you're looking, and that's certainly true with reading. When we're reading, we're seeing just a few letters at a time, and, and we kind of make these series of jerky movements across the page. Uh, called saccades from the French for jerk, you know, and it's kind of there and this, and it feels like a smooth movement, you know, that we're just scanning and we're reading, but that's an illusion created by the brain. What the brain is doing is taking those snapshots, filling the, filling in the gaps and kind of smoothing it all out. Um, so there's so much activity going on in the brain when we're reading. And there was an amazing experiment way back in the seventies when I, I didn't even realize that, that we could do this back then. Um, but what researchers did is they, they, they used a computer and they, they wired up volunteers to, to an eye tracker and, and they showed them some text. And wherever they, the volunteers looked, the text would be correct. And it was just a few letters, you know, like 10 letters, something like that. Um, and then everywhere else was nonsense. It was gobbledygook. Um, but wherever they looked, the right text would be there. Uh, and the volunteers never realized. They, they, they just thought they were reading a normal document because it was all coming from the brain. The brain was just reading, was just creating this, this illusion. Um, and, you know, so, so when I started finding out this, finding this out, it was, it was six years ago. And I thought, okay, I'm going to look into the science. Um, I'm going to, and it wasn't my area. Okay. So I'm going to look into the neuroscience. I'm going to look into psychology. I'm going to look into, into behavioral economics, decision-making. And I thought, okay, so I'm going to take a deliberately broad approach i'm going to try and join things together and i thought i wonder if there's much there and i'll give myself six months and then i'll write a book proposal 
And here I am six years later, really just getting started because there's so much out there. Uh, often I think that the problem is that it's in these silos and, it, you know, and, and uh, that, that it isn't being connected, although it, it is more and more now. There's this kind of cross-disciplinary approach, as it's called, um, but it's certainly not being connected to, to business in, in either direction, incidentally, because often the researchers usually don't know that, that much about how the business world really works. And the business world certainly doesn't, get, doesn't see the science. And, um, and yeah, so it's, it's, I mean, it's taken over my life. There's so much there now that it's, you know, it's an obsession, really. Well, well it's, it's fascinating. And I can, I can immediately draw some connections to, to business outside of our visual cortex. Uh, but that part is fascinating. I, I had heard, and hopefully this isn't like an internet legend, but uh, I had heard that uh, you you kind of verified it like when you're scanning from the left to the right, you see the panorama, but what your brain sees is a series of pictures. And every time your your eye moves, it actually goes dark. That's what I had heard. Like every time your eye moves, it stops seeing things to move to the next place because it's literally an overwhelming amount of information, and your reticular activating system kicks in and filters it out. Is correct me on that yeah absolutely smooth smooth scanning of text is an illusion created by the brain uh, and you've yeah absolutely you're taking lots of snapshots mm. uh, and you know and and so it is it's not smooth at all and each of these snapshots is uh, you know it's just a, a few letters um and each of these jumps sort of each fixation lasts less than half a second each 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 jump you know takes takes less than half a second you know, it could be fifth of a second and you kind of you, it, this is it, it's your your eyes are hopping over the screen and incidentally that is why speed reading you know claims of being able to read ten thousand um uh, sorry you know a thousand two thousand words a minute um that they don't really stack up because you're limited by the mechanics of the eye uh, you, you know, you probably can't get more than about, um, you know, 500 words uh, mm -hmm. a minute if you're if you're reading. Um, and that's and it's, it's because of those movements. If you if you present the, the letters kind of like fired out straight in one place, then you can get you can speed up. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the eye movement. It's that jerky movement that, that you mentioned there um, that that seems to limit. Um, our capability uh, for speed reading, which is an, you know another thing when we're talking about about brain myths, you know, and pseudoscience. Once you start to look into this, you see, okay, so this is what's possible. This is what we know, and you're saying this, and those two don't match at all. Yeah, right. um, so which am I going to go with? You know. So well, well, let's take a look at what is possible now that now that we understand how our brain operates, and we understand this relationship with. Uh, our our eyes, which in and in the uneducated person's opinion, like myself, this is this is the place that is collecting the most information possible. I can see so much more than I can hear, or touch, or smell, and all of this. In my opinion, uh, but that's not necessarily true. What's happening is it's all being created in my brain. And so, how do we take that knowledge of how the brain actually operates and actually processes visual data? And apply that to a business situation. Have you? Uh, it sounds like you've been trying to bridge that gap. And what are what are some theories and uh, and ideas that you've come up with at this point? 
Well, I mean, the, the first thing to remember is reading is hard. It's, and it's not a question of data transfer. Okay, so don't think that you are just transferring data from your brain to the other person's brain and you just have to give them the information. I mentioned the example of bullets earlier on. Uh, uh, and what I didn't say is bullets are actually a, usually a pretty inefficient uh, way of getting your point across. And the reason is they're devoid of context and are devoid of narrative. Uh, now, we need narrative in order to understand something. We need a story. And so if there's no narrative, what are you going to do? You're going to make up your, your own story. You're going, to, you're going to try and join the dots. You're going to read the bullets and um, you're going to try to make a story. Now, that story could be, I don't know what they're talking about. You know, it, could, it might be, or why have they sent me this list of bullets? This is, this is no use to me, you know, but, they, but they're still telling themselves a story, you know, mm -hmm. um, this person's really inconsiderate, you know, they, uh, they, you know, they're, they're always asking me to do stuff, you know, this, this, this monologue start, it kicks off. And so what I would say is, is phrase things in terms that are going to make sense to the reader. So think about where they are. Think about what their priorities are. Think about what they want to do and then see if you can match what you're telling them to what they want to do. You know, what the, we don't do what we need. We do what we uh, what we want. Now, if you're you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're running a business, yeah, sure, you could you could try to, to get things done by beating people with the management stick. But it's far better and more sustainable to work with their psychology. And, and just think, okay, right. So I could punch them in the face metaphorically with this with this email, or I could get them nodding to begin with. Okay, mm -hmm. so I could start with something they'll agree with. Uh, so so it could be, um, you know, we are, as we discussed last week, we're facing challenging times, and uh, but but we do have this amazing opportunity to uh, to, to to meet a big order. Um, but we're going to lose it if we don't act quickly. Um, and, you know, if you speak a bit more at the beginning to what they want, so, um, you know, that we're, we're going to be able to grow the company, take more people on, raise, um, raise salaries. Um, but that does mean that we're going to need to, um, to, to, to create more time. And unfortunately, that means that we're going to need to look at the leave uh, and 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 cancel leave that's not being um, that that's not essential or something like that. Okay, so it, it's you're you're phrasing it. You're you're getting them nodding. In fact, there's if that sounds a bit nebulous, there is an easy way to remember this. If you think of that, if you think of the word scrap, S C R A P, and scrap uh, stands for situation, complication, resolution, action, and politeness. Now. Situation is where we are now. Situation is something we agree with. So that gets people nodding. And it's kind of like, uh, this is not, you've got to make, you've got to dial down the threat response mm. and, and, you know, get people in a receptive uh, frame of mind. The complication is something that's come up, something that's happening, some reason that we need to change something. Um, the resolution is what you think you, you, you should do. Um, the action is what step we need to take next in order to do that. And politeness is just making sure that you're respectful at the end and you thank them and, and that you, you end on a positive note. Um, so that's scrap. And that can be you can use that for that kind of communication. You can use it even for, for writing a 
complaint you know it's it's what's you just get people nodding to begin with and and you know don't punch them in the face and the the good thing about that is you remember it because it, it without the s then it's crap you know yeah, so right. so you need to start with the situation first you need to get people nodding um use the narrative those bullets are like it's, you know reading a list of bullets is like trying to read somebody's exam study notes you know it, it will mean yeah. something to them but not not to you um so use narrative use story um even you even you know if you could say if you've got to present some data if you've got to give someone some data you could say here are the sales figures for last month or you could say i've been looking at the sales figures for last month and uh, and i noticed something now you you there's a there's a micro story there you know and you because you want you're then you're then priming the recipient to what to want to know what comes next and they're involved we we communicate in stories and and when we do that brain scanning um research shows that when you're when you're listening to a story the areas that light up in your brain are the same areas that light up in the the storyteller's brain so storytelling synchronizes brains and you know Storytelling sounds a bit esoteric if you're a, a driven entrepreneur, you know, but it's it's really not. We're just talking about using a narrative. And, and even if it's just, well, as I say, a micro story, you know, you just you just choose a sentence that's that's telling a story rather than just presenting something. Awesome. I, I love this. This is this is so great. Storytelling synchronizes brains. And that's that's fascinating. You're a fascinating guy, Rob. And, uh, you know, I'd. Uh, Got a got a great looking skull there. Good uh, good good bonce, as you call it in 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 England. The, the old the old solar panel, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old solar panel. I I want to want to want to crack that open and uh, get into some do do zone diagnostic. What do you say? Well, uh, let's go for it. All right. I, I'm only slightly nervous. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm always uh you know I was like talking about breaking out the bone saw. I just try to find creative ways, and I had to look up what was a what was a British word for for the for the the head and i came up with bonce so hopefully that didn't do dirty bonce, yeah noggin this, uh, yeah <laughs> noggin loaf loaf loaf. loaf of bread loaf of bread yeah <laughs> yeah good looking good looking <laughs> loaf there rob let's let's see what's let's see what's on the inside number one what's uh one thing that you do that keeps you focused on your goals Ooh, do you know what i've changed it recently uh, and it's um it's a big one i've i've i'm building a second brain uh so i've really got into that there's a great book by uh tiago forte out now and that really got me into that and i've completely geeked out on something called obsidian which is an open source platform for um for, for capturing but then accessing everything because it enables you to link your notes um so it's personal knowledge management um and i've gone from being a complete skeptic to a complete convert and evangelist for it it's it's enabled me to get a ton of stuff out of my head but th but then not worry about forgetting it and i don't mean not worry about forgetting it because it's in a list somewhere i mean because whenever i mention something it will then prompt me to to, to connect with all the other times i've mentioned that in my notes and and i've been amazed at how much more relaxed i've been uh, and how much more effective that's 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 made me, you know, and it's been great for my mental health too. Awesome. I love that. I have more questions about that, but maybe later. Uh, number two, how do you get back on track, Rob, when you lose that focus? Um, oh, great question because um, it, it's, it's so easy not to, uh, you, you know, I think um, 
when you are losing that focus, the, the, the trouble is it's quite pernicious because it's, you know, um, procrastination and distraction are, are really seductive, aren't they? You know, you kind of go down a rabbit hole or uh, you check stuff that you, sh- you know, you gotta just check the news because like that always makes things better. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I, I think you have to kind of start earlier and that, and that is in order to be able to focus, you need to do the things that protect your dopamine levels by just not wasting that on constantly feeding feeding your brain information, not relaxing by looking at your email, looking at your phone, but actually keep your dopamine levels high. That enables you to focus in the first place. Get sleep, get lots of sleep, um, because if if you're not sleeping, focus is, is impossible. And if you do that, then you find that when you are distracted, you can do the things that you need to do, like get out, take a break, shut down your computer, go for a walk, um, all that good stuff. But without the other things, you won't be able to do the things that get you back on track. So it kind of, it's a, you need to do one thing in order to, in order to, to, it's called metacognition, isn't it? Thinking about thinking, you know, in order to be mindful, you need to, you need to look after the other things first. Nice. I love it. Metacognition. And uh, who is your support group and how do they keep you accountable? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's my family, really. And I won't say they keep me accountable, although they do keep me accountable because they stop me working too much. Um, so for me, um, accountability is not trying to work 24 seven, you you know, I'm not, I haven't got this cracked, you know, when I talk about needing more sleep, when, you know, when I talk about those other things, you know, I say that because, I don't do it all the time and I know why it goes wrong. You know, I know that when it goes wrong, that's, that's why. Um, so my family are the, are the ones, you know, like a lot of people I work at home now, I've got an office here in the garden and, you know, even my daughter would come out, you know, if it's, she sees the light on, you know, and it's eight o'clock in the evening, she'll come out and say, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, are you working? And I'll say, no, 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 no. You know, and I am a complete workaholic and, and I, I, if I won the lottery, I would do this. So nice. the people I need to keep me accountable, the people I need to keep me on track are, the, are those who can tell me not to do that 24 seven and, and to try and build a life outside of that. And who, who knew when you do that, you're much more effective when you work anyway, because the ideas can flow. That's right. And, and how do you approach a difficult project that you're not sure how to complete? Um, well, there's the old thing of chunking, isn't there? Where you kind of break it down into lots of steps. Um, I find that works to a, to a degree. Um, and, and certainly you should do that, but you can still be overwhelmed by a long list of steps, you know? So it's, you kind of, if you, if you go, right, okay, it's a hundred steps. So I'm going to start with step one and you're doing step one and you think, yeah, but 99 other steps I've not done yet. And you feel like you're not even making progress. So what I do in that case is I try to, I tried to shut away the other 99 steps uh, and focus on that one thing. And, you know, giving yourself time to, to, to actually get it done and allow the brain to do its work because you can carve up your day into lots of, of little sections and you can say, I'm going to do that in that bit, that section, that in another section. Um, but it's very easy to create an awful lot of stress for yourself that way. You know, I think you, sometimes you do need to do that to get moving but then you shouldn't be a slave to it. You need to remember the schedule you created is yours. You made it up. Uh, and you know if it's not serving you, you can change it. So I would say 
focus on one thing at a time because you can only do one thing at a time anyway. Multitasking is a myth uh, and you need to go deep. And if it's a really difficult thing, I would say don't worry too much about whether you're getting it to begin with. Because if you just look at the information, even if it's not making sense, then, then look at some other information, looking at, look, at, look at it in a different form, and you'll find that your brain starts to open folders and create files for these things. And, and suddenly you will, you, will, you will be able to take in that information and solve the problems a lot more. So don't judge yourself too soon is, is another way, another thing. Excellent. And what's the number one pro tip? Last question. What's the number one pro tip that you would give to someone looking to get more stuff done in less time? Oh, I would say um, find, I mean, it's that, that thing of, you know, ask yourself all the time, am I the best person to be doing it, doing this? And often you are, you know, so, so the answer to that can be yes, but, um, but yeah, okay. So it's two, but I, I would say really, really prioritize, you know, you can't have five top priorities you know what's the one thing what's the one thing and if the other stuff doesn't get done focus on the one thing that did get done you know sometimes you're going to have to disappoint people sometimes you're going to have to be you know a bit of a jerk really sometimes you know not reply even you know it, it's and if you're if you're a people person that can really go against the grain but that you have to be accountable accountable to yourself as well and there have to be boundaries and, um, you know, as long as you don't leave a trail of destruction behind you, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be very focused. Um, just, yeah, just, just don't be an idiot about it and, uh, you know, create too much destruction. I have, uh, I have, I do have one more question for you. And, uh, it's, this is something that, something that you've said in the past. And, uh, sometimes you say the secret to effective writing is often to not write at all. And I know you kind of alluded to some of this earlier, but what does that mean? I, I know that so many of us that are listening to this podcast right now, we want to get our book out. We want to create compelling social media content. We want to be effective writers, uh, but we get writer's block and we don't know what to write next. And you're saying, well, the, the secret is to not write at all. What do you mean? So when I say that, I'm, I'm usually talking about in an exchange with someone, you know, that example we gave where things are getting a bit tense and, and you said, look, you speak. Okay. But um, if you apply it to, to content, to creative output, to, to social media, um, that uh, it does apply to that too, uh, because we have two states in our, in our brain. I've not talked about this before. So um, we, we have two states in our brain uh, or two, two ways of thinking. Okay. There's something called that, task focus mode okay so this is a network in our brain called the task task focused network okay um and then there's another network called the default mode network and you can think of that as the unfocused mode the mind wandering mode okay now when we're trying to do stuff when we're trying to come up with original content say or solve a problem we're in that focus mode and it can, it often works against us. There's only so much you will solve in that state. And what you need to do is to get yourself in that daydreaming mode. And you can't do it sat at your desk, still looking at the screen. You've got to go away and do something else. And you've got to, you know, usually if you're slightly occupied, so something like, 
unloading the dishwasher or walking the dog or or if, even driving um you know with with you know even when i'm listening to a podcast sometimes that will stimulate my brain even though i'm really engaged with the podcast something else will pop into my head because this this mind wandering mode has been has been engaged and so if you're stuck with something like that i'd say walk away from the writing and you'll often find that the writing itself will be a lot better for it because what you do then is you start to connect ideas that's where real creativity happens you connect ideas that wouldn't normally be connected that's where you get original ideas that's where you come up with solutions that nobody else has come up with it could even be ideas for products or services you know not just not just content for what you're writing um but it's yeah just trying it sometimes trying doesn't work you need to not try uh, mm. and and to engage that you need to go and do something else so to stop yourself trying fascinating i love that so I, I i wrote down there's task focused network and then there's the default mode network or unfocused yep. mode and yeah, mind in order to yeah. get things done we have to unfocus yeah uh, absolutely yeah. and i can i can certainly see so many examples of man this is just i gotta go blow off some steam and i take a walk and then the answer comes to me i mean probably uh 80 of our audience has had an experience like that uh, within the last week, probably. Uh, so, hey, Rob, fascinating guy. Who who are you looking to connect with? Uh, who is your kind of ideal person that you would love to connect with, and how can they reach out to you? Well, uh, thank you. I mean, it's what I'm really trying to do is raise awareness of this. I'm trying to raise awareness of something that we take for granted. I'm working on a book, you know, so I'd, I'd like an audience for my book. But it's, you know, I think this is. That, that won't come out for another two or three years. I think this is people something people need to talk about now. Um, so it, it's, you know, people, it, people are organizing conferences if they hear this and they think that's something that, um, that could be really valuable to, 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 to my audience, to my network, um, then, then, you know, definitely get in touch. Um, it, it, it's, it, it just, if this, if this resonates with you, if this is something you think, hang on, he's right, we are doing this all day, could we do it better? It has so many applications. Uh, and so that's it, really. It's a simple request. I just want to be able to spread this message and get people to think more about it. Awesome. And, and how, can, how can someone reach out and connect with you? Uh, if they go to my website, which is simply robashton.com, uh, they can uh, contact me through that. Uh, there's also um, a free course on there that I've created, um, which is what I'm doing is as I do the research, I distill it into this course. So it's a great way to just learn some of this science, but it's it's always applied. So, I, you know, trying to make it as entertaining as possible. Um, if it feels like hard work, then I'd like people to tell me because it's I'm, I'm trying to make it easy. And it's a way of keeping up with this research so that you can get up to speed and you can uh, you can find and, and use this uncommon knowledge that just, you know, nobody talks about this stuff in the business world, even though it's often, you know, is, is standard for, for a lot of academics. Uh, so if you go to robashton.com slash influence, the course is called Silent Influence, which for reasons it should be obvious, um, you know, reading generally is silent. Um, and the, yeah, if that's, they can just sign up for that course there and they'll, um, and the lessons will come straight straight to them. Awesome. 
Great. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with me, Rob. This has been tremendous. I really, really appreciate your presence. Uh, we're going to wrap up from here. Uh, everybody, thanks so much to our guest, Rob Ashton, for joining us and sharing some wisdom on how he gets stuff done and shedding some light on the fact that uh, maybe what we're writing and reading is not always serving us the way that uh, we want to. Uh, for more information and to connect with Rob directly, you can go to robashton.com and get a uh, access to his training program, Silent Influence, by going to robashton.com slash influence. Once again, if you want to keep hearing content like this, be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple and or Spotify. And don't forget to get your own personal DoZone DNA by visiting dozonedna.com. Until next time, remember, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. What are you going to do with yours? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify. Share this episode with a friend, screenshot it and add it to your Instagram stories, smoke signals, carrier pigeons, whatever works best for you. If you're looking to crush your goals this year and level up your team, we're here to help. To learn more about how our scientifically backed process can increase your company's productivity by up to 300%, head over to unbreakableteams.com. That's unbreakableteams.com.